0: Hey everyone, this is Chris Vault, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. Say that with me, escaping Babylon. The year was 586 B.C., about so just under 600 years before the birth of Christ, and the world's strongest empire of the day was babylon babylon's located if you look at a map of the middle east somewhere in the neighborhood today of what you would call iraq and iran that area is babylon was ancient babylon greatest empire of the day it was ruled by a notoriously cruel king his name was nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar was not a God-fearer, though later on in his life there is some evidence that perhaps he warmed up to Jehovah God and actually made some really positive proclamations, but that was later not at the point that we're picking up the study. In fact, at the time of 586 B.C., this pagan king, who had no fear of Jehovah God, came in with his troops and besieged the city of Jerusalem, God's holy people in Israel, besieged the city, then annihilated pretty much the city, just destroyed so much of the city, tore, tore apart the temple, stripped the gold items out of the house of God and took it all back to Babylon. Now, as he is laying siege to to Jerusalem not only did he take the gold elements and the treasury out of the temple of god not only did he decimate the city he had his chief eunuch a guy by the name of ashpenaz do something that to this day has led to a, a, a title given to the world systems when the world systems are are in opposition to the ways of God when culture becomes oppositional to the ways of God when when it becomes difficult when the world systems have, when the, when they're run by evil hearts and desires this evil system of the world is actually titled in in many in many cases. Babylon because of what happened next in 586 B.C. So Nebuchadnezzar comes in. He conquers the city of uh, Jerusalem. And then he has Ashmanaz do this. He has him to go to the royal family of the Jews and find young men. These would have been teenage men. Young men, teenagers. And here was the criteria. Watch this, watch this. They had to be good-looking, attractive, healthy, and intelligent, and Ashpenaz was to take these young, attractive, healthy, intelligent, young Jewish men and take them as slaves, hostages, out of Jerusalem and transport them back to Babylon to get them away from everything that was holy, everything that what measured up to God, everything that was about faith and family and their traditions of their faith, And take these young men to Babylon and get them out of that world and start bringing them about, indoctrinating them into the ways of Babylon. Pick up with me in the reading of Scripture there. Daniel chapter 1, online campus. Go ahead, pick it up with me. It's there on your message notes. Daniel chapter 1, we're going to begin at verse 4. Here's what Nebuchadnezzar told Ashpenaz to do And you're going to see the elements of a godless culture being created right here. Look with me. He was to teach them the Chaldean language. Circle that if you're taking notes. Circle that. He was to teach them the Chaldean language. In other words, they were no more to learn Hebrew. Now they're to learn the Chaldean or the Babylonian language. Then they were to learn the Chaldean literature. They're not going to study the Jewish history anymore. They're not going to read about Moses and the Exodus and the Passover and and David and the Psalms. They're no longer going to learn about the messianic prophecies of the coming Messiah. Those days are over now. Now they're going to learn about the history and the culture of Babylon. The king also assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. Now there for a moment you may stop and say, hey... It's not such a bad gig. Yeah, we're going to have to learn a whole other language. Yeah, we've got to learn a whole new curriculum. But, come on, we're going to eat from the king's table. We're going to drink wine from the king's winery. This is, how, how bad can this be, right? Well, this was really bad because the food that Nebuchadnezzar enjoyed, my, in many cases, was the foods that the Mosaic Law of the Hebrews... Declared as unclean and they weren't able to eat So now all of a sudden Babylon is not only taking them away from their influences away from their families their traditions and their faith now They are indoctrinating them With a new language new culture new ways of living and even the very food that has been thrown on their table was in opposition to their faith To everything that they held dear then look at what happens next. They were to be trained for how long? Everybody say it with me online. Come on. They'd be trained for three years. You know, sometimes we, we go through a day, a trial of about three days, and we start throwing our hands up wondering where God is. God, I can't believe what we're going through. It's been three whole days. Go three weeks, and we think God's done went to the other side of the universe, right? I don't know where he's at. These people are being indoctrinated for three years. It's going to be in heavy, a heavy indoctrination. At the end of that time, notice what they're called to do. At the end of three years, they're going to now have to attend to the king. So watch this, watch this, watch this. Here's what Babylon was doing, removing them from all of the godly influences in their life, going to make them learn a whole new language, a whole new set of traditions, a whole new set of, of beliefs of what is right, and what is wrong, what is history. Re, the, the, the Jews are getting a totally different history than anything they've ever read or heard from before. History's been rewritten for them. They're learning a whole new set of cultural norms, and at the end of the day, they're going to have to serve a pagan king. And here's the thought I have when I read this passage about about these Hebrew young men: is you know they all grew up with a dream of their own. They all grew up with dreams and aspirations. They probably talked about what kind of career they were going to have one day, what where their line would be at in the royal family of the Jews, who they were going to marry, how they were going to raise their children. And watch this, watch this. In one day, all of that changed, and all their dreams came crashing down, and they started living a nightmare. look what happens next then among these the scripture tells us some of the young men that were taken among these were some judites and say their names with me daniel Hananiah, mishael and azariah now watch what happens next this is so key to where we're going over the next six weeks look at verse 7 read with me out loud please come on the chief eunuch gave them names he gave the name belshazzar to daniel shadrach to hananiah meshach to mishael and abednego to azariah now you can quickly congregation read a passage like this right i mean really everything i just read to you comes out of verses four to seven right i mean it's just not that much to read and you can read it and you can just pass it over and say oh There's a little bit of history happened about 600 years before the life of Jesus. Oh, God bless Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was difficult for them and totally miss how deep this passage really is for all of us. Because what we see here is Babylon and what Babylon was doing to these young men. And listen, listen, listen. Babylon, since this time, since the writing of this passage, since this event occurred in history all the way to present day watch this watch this and shall be until jesus returns babylon the name babylon has become synonymous with evil world empires in fact in fact you can read in the book called revelation at the end of your bible The book of Revelation, which is the writings of John the Apostle, who was given a vision on the Isle of Patmos, a vision of the end times, things that have yet to even occur in our lifetime, things that are yet to come before the coming of Christ, the return of Jesus. And watch this, watch this. He says that the world systems, the culture of our world, is going to be so wicked. It's going to be so vile. It's going to be so in opposition to the ways of God. That the end of the ages, what civilization, what the, what the systems of the world will seem like at that time when Jesus returns, an angel declared it like this, Babylon the great has fallen. And this is so key for us living in the day we are now. So what are we going to do for the next six weeks? We're going to study the life of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And we're going to ask this question, how could these young men live in a godless culture and yet honor God and become influencers for the glory of Jesus, for the glory of God? Because I believe if we learn from these Four young Hebrew men, it has great implications on us because listen, I want to tell you, and I don't mean this to be to come across too harsh. All the things we whine about about our present culture pale in comparison to how wicked Babylon was on Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, and, and Meshael. I'm telling you, the things we complain about and get on social media and lose our testimony about pale in comparison to what these godly men 600 years before jesus endured so if we can learn from them i believe we can have a better testimony in the world we live in today and i'll tell you the end of the message series at the very beginning the whole goal is to learn how to become influencers for jesus in the world we're presently living in in fact in fact uh, there's a great book i would encourage you to order and read. It's called Thriving in Babylon, written by a pastor in California by the name of Larry Osborne. Here's one little phrase, one little segment out of the book, and I just thought this was so key. Read this with me. He's talking about Daniel here. He says, he found a way in a culture far more wicked than anything we face to glorify and serve God with such integrity and power that kings, peasants, and an entire nation turned to the, acknowledge the splendor of the living God. It does not mean that Babylon, under the influence of Daniel and the, his three Hebrew friends, ever came to faith, or God, they didn't convert to Judaism, but, but you can read the book of Daniel and see an incredible influence these young men had on their culture. That, by the way, God did not deliver them out of but he sent them to be an influence within. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get real up in here for the next few weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun and I invite you to come back next week. We're going to dive deep into this. Today, I just want to Uh, paint a picture for you for a moment. The first thing I want you to do, and I want you to write this down is, I want you to understand why we're talking about Babylon and the system that Babylon is now a symbol of when the culture becomes in opposition to your faith in God. Here's what you need to understand about a culture that is influenced by the God of this age, Paul said. It's not God, it is Satan. Satan has power of influence over the world systems today and shall until Jesus comes back. And here's what uh, we need to understand. Write this down. Culture calls for conformity. And this is exactly what they were trying to do to these Hebrews when they captured them and took them out of the land of Israel and took them to Babylon. They're gonna to try to conform them. Here's what they did. Let's just look at the system. What, what did the culture do? First of all, they removed the young men from godly influences. They pulled them away from godly influences and started saturating them in, in a culture that was unlike anything they had ever experienced before. They were pulling them out away from influences of family, friends, and faith. And and, and then they just absolutely saturated their mind with this whole new culture. They indoctrinated them through various systems. One of them was the state educational system. In the Babylonian state education system, they forced them to go through three years of this education. And here's what they were to do. They were no longer to learn Hebrew. Now they had to learn Chaldean. They were teaching them a whole new language. In that, they could no longer study the history of Judaism. Now they had to study only the history of the Babylonians, learn their culture, learn their literature, and what they're doing is now they're becoming more sensitive to the ways of of pagan land than they were their homeland. And while this is going on, they're teaching them astrology in their education. The ancient Babylonian education system was... Wow, y'all. They learned law and mathematics. They learned astronomy and architecture, but they also had to study the stars. In fact, let me just, let me just lay some groundwork out here for you. When you jump five hundred eighty about 560 or so years from this moment, 586 years to this moment, forward in time, you come to a little old village named Bethlehem and, and, and the birth of our Savior Jesus. Have you ever wondered where these men called Magi were coming from and how they knew to be looking at a star to figure out where the coming Messiah would be born? Most scholars agree that they, listen, the Magi came from Babylon, from Iraq, Iran area, because the astrologers of Babylon were named Magi and they're studying the stars. I wonder who was the influencer on their culture that told those pagan astrologers that one day there would be a star come in the skies that would point them to a Jewish Messiah. How did they know to even be looking for a Jewish Messiah? I'll tell you the answer at the beginning of the series, and that is that that Daniel became the influencer on their culture versus their culture becoming the influencer on Daniel. That's why we're going to stay the life of Daniel. Because I believe that's what God is calling us to be. I don't believe that God enjoys seeing those who follow him going through opposition all the time in our culture. I believe there's a reason for it. Because if God was done with us, and and all he wanted us to do is be saved and get baptized, at the moment of baptism, we should have saw like 40 raptures take place today. Just like, baptize you in the name of Jesus. Boop, they're gone. But if you're still here, God's got a purpose for you. You're watching online, God's got a purpose for you. And God wants to use you not to just suffer through this old world with your head hung down, whining and moping about the big bad world, getting on social media and losing your testimony by blasting everybody and everything. Maybe God has us here because he wants us to be salt and light and a city on a hill. Sound familiar? And maybe we're supposed to be the influencers instead of the influencees. And I believe that. That's why we're going to do this study over the next few weeks. Because here are four young men, many others, but four that we have by name in the book, who were indoctrinated for three years with a pagan educational system. And they survived. And they made it through. And they kept their faith in God. Not only that, they were forced to learn a pagan religion. They weren't allowed to worship Jehovah. They weren't allowed to do sacrifices. They weren't allowed to go to a temple or a synagogue. So what did they have to do? They had to study the Babylonian language for three years, which, by the way, was very demonic, and it worshiped a full plethora of deities. Not one single God, like we serve one holy God. They had to to study and learn how to worship a bunch of little gods. And Marduk was their lead god that they worshipped. And then, listen to this. The culture changed their identity. I want to show you on the screen because in Hebrew, in, in Hebrew culture, your name meant something. You didn't just name your child a name that you thought is cute and went well with your last name. It had a purpose behind it. Let me show you their names. Daniel, his name in Hebrew means God is my judge. And notice exactly what the culture of the Babylonians did. The chief eunuch changed their names. What were they doing? They were trying to change their identity. And he changed Daniel to Belshazzar, and that name means Baal's prince. The name Baal is is a title given to Marduk. It's the same word that we would use today as Lord. When we talk about Jesus and we call him the Lord Jesus, when they would say Baal, they were saying Lord Marduk, okay, in essence. And and, and so watch this, watch this. What this would mean is like an emperor come in and take us all over today and change all of our names to Satan's prince. Wouldn't that bless your heart? That's what they did to Daniel. Then they took Hananiah, which means Jehovah is gracious, and they changed his name to Shadrach, which is a worship of the moon god. And then they took Mishael, whose name means who is like God, and they changed it to Meshach, which means who is like Aku. Aku is one of the other deities that they worship in the Babylonian religion. Then they took Azariah, whose name means Jehovah is my helper. And they changed his name to Abednego, which means the servant of Nego, which is another one of their false deities, one of their false gods. And what I want you to catch here is here's what the Babylonian culture was trying to do. Take godly young men out of their culture, out from their families, out from all their faith, out from all their traditions, begin to indoctrinate them with a new lingo, indoctrinate them with new cultural norms, new ways to see the world, new ways to believe, a new belief system. God, Jehovah's not the one you have. It could be any God. You can serve Marduk and Nego and Aku. You can worship any of these gods. And they give them a new religion. And then they change their identity. Next, they stripped these young men of their pride and stole away their legacy. Something no one wants to talk about, and you probably never even heard it in church before, is the man who is in charge of these young men, Ashpenaz, was a eunuch. Do you know what Babylonian emperors would do to all the young, healthy, attractive young men when they became their hostage and slave? This is going to bless you. Forced castration. This is why you never read where Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, or Azariah ever married or had children. Most likely they were all forced into being a eunuch. They were castrated if they were stripped of their pride as a male. In the Hebrew culture, being a male came with a great sense of pride. The blessing of God was passed down upon the males, as was the responsibility of being the spiritual leader in your home because sin was passed down from the males down to the children. And so the males had to be redeemers. In their family line and they had to be spiritual leaders and here in this culture of the Babylonians one thing that they took away from these young men was their manhood and they stripped them of their pride they also stripped them of their legacy because there wasn't any social security in the day and in Hebrew culture the way a young man uh, or way uh, an older couple as they aged were taken care of is they was taken care of by their children financially And it was also a sense of legacy and pride to have heirs. And what I want you to see is the culture took them away from godly influences. The culture gave them a whole new set of cultural norms, indoctrinated them into a different way of thinking, a different way of living, and a new belief system, then stripped them of their pride and stole away their legacy. And this is why, to this very day, when you talk about evil world systems, you talk about them in the terms of a name, Babylon. Now, let me just stop here for a second. When I read these things that happen to these young men, do you see any semblances to any cultural norms that our people face in the world today? Not just in America, but all over. Do you see any symbol? similar traits? It's hard not to, isn't it? This is why we need to study this. Because today in our world, Christians are quickly losing our testimony because we are protesting and arguing and fighting and inward fighting and outward on social media and everywhere else, showing all the things we're against. And sometimes we forget that the reason we're here in this world with an ungodly culture is to be the salt and light that Jesus called us to be, to be the influencers instead of always being the one being influenced. And to raise our children up in the ways of God and tell them, the God of heaven can give you victory even in godless culture. I serve a risen Savior. How about y'all? I serve a God who's still sitting on the throne, who's still sovereign, and still is in control. I know you get tore up when you read the news, but I'm here to tell somebody this morning, God's not shaking. He's still on the throne, and he knows what he's doing. And he's not ashamed that he called you to be his follower. So I want to encourage you over these next few weeks. I want us to look together at this and realize, yes, the devil is a master at isolating us from our support systems. The devil is a master of conforming us to a culture and a whole new set of belief systems. He's the master at indoctrinating us with new ideologies and philosophies that are contrary and opposition to the word of God. He's the master preacher of tolerance and inclusion and telling us that whatever's true for you is true for you and your truth doesn't have to be my truth. That there's more ways to God or more ways to heaven than one. And we find ourselves living in a world and raising our children and our grandbabies in a culture that seems so contradictory to what we believe. And it's not a time for us to be hiding in fear or frustration. But it's a time for us to be like Esther and say, Man, for such a time as this, God called us to live and to shine for Jesus. And not be afraid nor ashamed Because here's what I need you to learn. Number two, write this down. And we're going to look at this through the whole series. Get a hold of this. And can I take some weight off of you? You can't change the culture. But the culture doesn't have to change your heart either. You don't have control over the world's systems, but you do have control over your heart. And if you keep control of your heart, you can become an influencer instead of the influencee. And we may not change the culture, but we can influence the culture. See, that's the beautiful thing about Daniel and his three friends. They changed their names. They, couldn't, they could reject it all they wanted, but it's still gonna happen. They were still going to be indoctrinated with the occult. They were still taught false religion. They were still taught a whole different world's philosophies and ideologies. But you know what they couldn't do to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah? They couldn't strip them of their faith in God. And they couldn't make them denounce their God. And even though they could change their circumstances, and even though they had no control over what was being presented to them, they couldn't change them. And Christians, I want to tell you today, No one can change your heart. You can stand and you can believe and you can serve God with all you've got. Because no one has control over your heart but you. Give it to Jesus, the one who resurrected from the dead. Amen? The world may not applaud you for standing for God. Some of you may even lose your job if you're for God. Somebody's going to slander you on social media. Somebody's going to get upset with you if you serve God. Do you know that we had people baptized today whose families did not support their decision to follow Jesus? They came and got in those waters today, and they were baptized anyway. You know why? Because maybe the world won't support them, but heaven does. I want to know if anybody still believes that heaven is going to support those who believe and trust in Jesus. Do you believe that greater is He that's in you than he that's in this world? You see, as a Christian, your hope, your identity, and your faith are in Christ alone, not in what other people think. Let me give you the big takeaway this morning. Then we're going to sing. And if you want to be baptized, we'll baptize you before so. We got got two already. All right, we got two already. Anybody happy about that? If anybody else wants to be baptized, you come on. But listen to this. Write this down. Here's what we're going to learn from Daniel and his friends. God may not deliver you from your trials, but God will be with you in your trials. One day we'll be in heaven, and there won't be any Babylonian system. Praise Jesus. But until then, we have a world to influence for the glory of God. And God's not going to always come and deliver you from every trial you've got. Get over it. <laughs> in Jesus' name, I say that in love. What God does promise you, Daniel, is he'll be with you in your trial. Amen? Listen to this prayer of Jesus. It's found in John chapter 17. It's there on your message notes. Jesus prayed this prayer for all who would ever believe on him. This prayer is still alive and well in the Father's ear right now. Jesus said, Lord, Father, I'm not praying you take them out of the world. Did you hear what Jesus did? Right there, Jesus said, I'm not going to pray for you to get an escape. I'm not praying for you to be taken out of this world, but that, God, you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And watch this, watch this. Look at what Jesus says. As you have sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. I want you to capture this, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus did not pray for your deliverance. He prayed for your protection. And he prayed for you to know that you are not of this world, but I'm sending you into this world to be an influence for His kingdom. Amen? John 16. I love these words of Jesus. I want you to stand with me. Take your message notes. We're going to read them out loud online. We're going to read them together. Come on, everyone, stand up. Let's read them together. John 16, Look at your neighbor and clear your voice. We're going to read it out loud. You ready? Come on. I have told you these things so that in me you may have... What's that word? What's that word? What's that word? Christians are to have peace in the world. Even in the midst of godless influences and culture. We're not to be online bashing the world. If anyone's got peace, it ought to be us. They ought to know that no matter what they say or do, they can't shake us. Because our faith isn't in politics, our faith isn't in the system, our faith is in our God. In this world, you will have suffering. In this world, what's the next two words of Jesus? Say it be courageous. Now, look at that last line, it's past tense. I have. Has Jesus already won? Come on, I'm going to shake up your face. I'm going I'm I'm to get you right here. Has he already won? Yes. yes, he has. And how many of you follow him? And look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm already a winner. Because I'm on Jesus' side. Amen.